Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Um, what you see is what, we get, what you get, man. And uh, what's really cool is this. Um, since we started, uh, you know, basically our campaign for the parking lot was just a little over a year ago. We actually, uh, you have actually um, raised to this day, you ready? Come on, give God some praise for this, um, over $26,000 in our parking lot fund. So it's awesome. It's awesome. So this morning, if God's speaking you, to you to match that today, uh, we just, you're welcome here. No, um, we just want it to be life-giving for all you, you know, and that's part of our worship is, is in tithes and it's in offerings and um, you know, at the same time, we don't ever want people to feel pressured. And we're just grateful for those that have stepped up and said, yeah, we're going to support. And then we talked last week about serving in different capacities. And if you weren't here last week, really shared, um, you know, what, what's your area that's life-giving to you? In fact, I even had a few people this morning say, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to fill out a card last week, but this is an area I'd love to serve in. And so if you're going, man, I'd just like to get on board and, and help in some capacity or you have a desire in your heart, let me know or let somebody at the church know because we would love to have you on board. We're, we're like one giant happy family, but here's the cool part. There's always room for one more in this happy family, okay? That is the bridge. If you're like a guest visiting here, there's, there's not like, a, you know, not like a, a secret few people. This is, this is the church, man. It's not the walls. We're the church, and so we be the church. We don't just do church at the bridge. Come on, somebody. Are you awake this morning? All right, so I, I, am, I am actually really excited for our business meeting um, next week. It's 30 minutes after service, and we legally in our bylaws, which as a church planner, one of the most u- unusual things that you have to do, you have to write bylaws. And so it's, uh, it's the most boring thing I've ever done in all my life, writing bylaws, okay? Hey, who's just like, I love writing bylaws, Okay. Uh, some of you I know are attorneys, and maybe you like that. I just, I, God bless you, and uh, thank you. We had a lot of attorneys look it over, and one of the things within our bylaws is we have to do a business meeting once a, month, once a year, and uh, it has to be the first Sunday in February, which is why we do it Super Bowl Sunday every year, right after church. Super Bowl's at 5 o'clock. Don't worry, like Matt said, there's plenty of time, but um, it, you're welcome to join here. Technically, if you are a member of church, you're required to be there. Um, it'll be painless, and we'll be out of here by about 12.15. So come if you'd like. If not, have a blessed Sunday next week, and come for our new series that we're opening. So today we're closing out the book of Jonah. So this is what I want you to do. Grab your Bible, open up to Jonah chapter 4, and uh, we, we're going we're gonna to conclude this story. And uh, how many know not every story in the Bible ends happily ever after? <laughs> but you want it to, right? You want it to. And this is one of the most unique stories. And uh, in all the Bible, it's one of the most debated, hot topic books in all of Scripture. And I just want to unwrap it a little bit more today as we begin. So we're going to conclude our Under Construction series today, part five. And next week, um, if you are a son, a daughter, if you are a dad, if you are a mother, if you're in a dating relationship, if you are living with somebody, if you are a grandpa, if you're a grandma, if you're married, if you're single, if you have children, if you don't have children, the next four weeks in February, you are going to love. That's, that's all of us, okay? And so we're, we're going to talk about everything. We're going we're gonna to open up family. Uh, we're doing a series called Family 28. There's 20 days, 28 days in February this year. 
And we are going to look at all aspects of that. Maybe you're going, well, I'm single and I don't have kids. Great, you're going to get something out of this. Maybe you're going, I'm married and, and uh, I love my spouse, but we're just, we're kind of stuck and we don't know how to take our marriage to the next level. You're going to love it. Maybe you're a kid going, I don't like my parents. You're going to love this. It'll all be good. Maybe you're a grandparent go, how do I, how do I leave a legacy for my family and for my grandkids? This is for you. And so um, we're going to enter into some family ministry the next four weeks. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Now I have to, I have to ask you this in the last few weeks within our church, I think I have met three new people that have master's degree in psychology. So I'm a little nervous about this sermon series preaching with you in the crowd. So this will be fun. I'm going to get a lot of mail. No, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. It'll be good. Um, so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to open up with just a little bit of a public service announcement. Two weeks ago, I gave you one. And if you weren't here, um, I gave you a public service announcement on how to drive through a roundabout in St. Francis. Um, if you weren't here listening to the podcast, you need to hear it. Um, secondly is this. Uh, we find in the book of Jonah that Jonah doesn't always have the heart of God, and we're going to find that out today. I know all of us here, we all have the heart of God all the time, but we'll just learn from Jonah's story, okay? Because um, I know we're all where we need to be. And uh, what I want to do is this, though. Sometimes we get ourselves in a situation where we just don't know how to get out of it. So I want to give you another crucial public service announcement. In fact, I have steps for you. And this are, these are 10 steps that you need to memorize. You need to, these are super duper important if you are ever caught in the Amazon and you're being attacked by an anaconda. It's very important. Step one, if you are attacked by an anaconda, if you know anacondas are ginormous, snakes, okay? If you're attacked by an anaconda, step one is do not run. The snake is faster than you, okay? Step, step two, lie flat on the ground. Put your arms tight against your sides, your legs tight against one another. That's step two. You with me? Okay. Step one, step two. Make sure you're learning. Step three, tuck your chin in. Tuck your chin in. Okay. Now, this is where it gets a little weird. Okay. But I want to help you when next trip in the jungle. All right. Step four, the snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. I thought this was a life-giving turkey. Number five, do not panic. Number six, after the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet and hours from that end. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and your ankles. Again, do not panic. Number six, these are important steps. Don't get these wrong. (laughs) You're dead. Number seven, The snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. You're like this. Who's got the heebies right now, you know? Number eight, when the snake has reached your knees, just imagining this right now, this is just nutso. Slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, and gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg. Then suddenly rip upwards, severing the snake's head. Step nine, be sure to have your knife. Step 10, be sure your knife is sharp. All right, so I wanted to make sure that you had some very vital information this morning, okay? See, the Bible's still speaking thousands of years later, isn't it? All right, so let's recap here. We've got Jonah chapter one. Okay, there's only four chapters in the whole book of Jonah. Jonah chapter one. 
God speaks to Jonah. Jonah runs away. He gets on this ginormous ship. The big storm comes. The sailors throw him off. The sailors get saved. They accept God. They say, all right, God, you're the real God. You saved us. He gets swallowed by this ginormous fish. We get into chapter 2, and here's Jonah, and he's in the giant fish, and he's having a little convo with God. And he's like, all right, God, you're the Lord. I, you're Lord of my life, God. I'm, he's praying to God. He's having So first chapter, God speaks to Jonah. Second chapter, Jonah speaks to God. Third chapter, we read about last week, where Jonah gets spoken through by God, and he speaks to the Ninevites. Remember, he gets vomited up on the beach, and then he has this 500-mile walk into Nineveh, and he gets to Nineveh, and he shares how many words? It was just five words. Shortest sermon in the world. It's basically like a five-word tweet, drop the mic, I'm done. That's it, okay? And, And he goes away, and what happens? All of Nineveh gets saved like the most ginormous revival in all history, and this all happens. And so you think, man, chapter 4, it's going to summarize, it's going to bring it all together. Jonah, this great evangelist, he's so excited, he's so pumped. Look what happened, look what God did. And no, he's like down in the dumps, man. He is like depressed, and it's crazy why. And so let's do this. If you have a Bible, I want you to open up with, with me to chapter 4, and we're just going to take it one section at a time this morning. Here's what's really interesting about the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is perhaps the most ignored and most debated book in all of the Old Testament. It's, it's one that there's so much to it, there's so much in depth. And just by, just by, say yeah, if you've enjoyed going through this book together. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah. Me too. All right, so here we go. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. This is where we see God and Jonah, they sit down together. Chapter 4, we're going to conclude today. Here we go. Verses 1 through 3. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What seemed wrong? All of the Ninevites got saved. And he became what? He was ticked, man. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? He's talking to God. Look, God, you got it wrong. I I love this. There's a lot of humor in chapter 4. You got to catch it. That is what I tried to forestall, forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew, I knew that you are a generous and you're a compassionate God. You're slow to anger and abounding in love. You're a God who relents from sending calamity Now, Lord, take my life away, for it's better for me to die than to live. Did you catch what's happening? He's having like a woe is me kind of moment. Like, like God, I knew, I just knew, like, if I was going to go, man, and I was going to talk to them, they were, like, going to get saved, and it happened, because you're a loving God. I can't believe you to God. That's what he did, okay? Not with his fist, but with other fingers, okay? That's what he does. This is serious. This This is what's in the Bible, okay? He's like, he's like, God, I knew you were going to use me, and I didn't want that. Now, I know we all want to be used by God, no matter how hard it is, right? Even if we're sent to modern-day Iraq like Jonah was, right? None of us would have a problem with that. We, none of us would put up a stink with God. None of us would say, kill me, God, I don't want to go, right? We're all, like, super obedient to God. Whatever you say, I'll do, right? Come on, everybody. You're like, ah, you're a little under my skin this morning, Chris. Um, I've been there. I'm, I'm there at times from, t- from time to time. It, it's kind of like this. How many here, did anyone here get the privilege of going to a Billy Graham crusade in your life? I I never did. A few of you. Okay. My mom actually got to help set some of those up for him years ago, um, even before she was a Christ follower. And this, this essentially what's happening is this. This would be like Billy Graham. And if you've ever seen his ginormous altar calls, he does these these huge altar calls. He gives the sermon and he preaches Christ. And at the end of it, what does he do at the end of every Billy Graham crusade? He does an altar call, and he says, if you want to give your life to Christ, come down. We do that sometimes at the bridge, and, and, and he does this at this crusade, and, and at a Billy Graham crusade, man, it's like thousands get up out of their seats, and they come flooding down to the altars. This would be essentially what would happen if Billy Graham would say, 
God, look at people are giving their life to you again. Oh, just kill me. That's what this is. This is what this is like. 120,000 people say yes, and Jonah's like, you know what? I just want to die. It's, it's backwards. There's a lot of humor here. How many times, let's, let's bring it real to us this morning. How many times do we get angry or frustrated with God? Do we, do we ever? No, it's just Jonah, right? Not us. Okay. No, how many times do we get angry? God, I don't understand this. I don't understand. Ah, I'm so frustrated with you. You're not answering my prayers the way I think you should. That's what's happening. And so God, you know, we, we say, God, I thought you should do a better job. Or God, I can't believe that you're nice to those people. You're nice to the Ninevites, you know. And, and Jonah's thinking, they weren't really living for you. They were evil. They didn't do everything. Here's what's funny. Here's what's really funny. We take our religiousness, it's a new word this morning, we take our religiousness so serious. I don't know why in the church we do this. We we take it so serious and we have these holiness movements and we got to be perfect and and you walk into church and you're like, I got to change or I don't belong. It's not in the Bible. It's really not. There's this God of grace and compassion that meets you where you need to be met. Amen? That's the God whom we, and, and Jonah's mad at that. He's like, no, they need to be like me. They need to be law-abiding Christians and citizens. That's what needs to happen. And so we take our religiousness so serious, but God doesn't. He does not take our religiousness seriously. You know, Jonah's saying, God, I told you to do some things, and you didn't. How many times have we said, God, I told you you should do it like this, X, Y, Z, and he doesn't. In fact, God, you did some other things. That's not what I prayed for. How many times does a prayer get answered not in the way we expected or thought? Or our life changes in a way that we didn't expect or thought. And at the time, we're like, I don't understand this. And then a few months, a few years later, we're like, okay, I get it. I get what you're doing. And maybe we're not yet. Maybe we don't understand what he's doing. But we do get angry from time to time. I could ask how many of us here have ever been angry. Well, that would be all of us. Now, anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with it that can become a sin. Hopefully, for those of you that have the psychological majors, I'm getting that right this morning, okay? Anger is not a sin. But anger, what does it do? Reveals what's in here. Reveals what's in your heart. You're angry. Why, why are you angry? And how do you know if your heart's right? How do you know if this is, this is like godly anger? Well, when you get angry, are you getting angry about the things God gets angry about? Are you getting angry about what he gets angry about? You know, here's God. He's glad about this revival. He's glad the 120,000 evil people from Nineveh got saved. Jonah's angry about it, you know? He's angry about something God's glad about. His heart was not in line with God's. And so not only was Jonah angry, he felt entitled. Again, I know none of us have ever felt entitled in our life, right? Just Jonah, it's in the Bible, it's 3,000 years ago, it's really not practical or applicable to us today at all, right? That's called sarcasm. Um, Jonah was feeling entitled. Jonah's thinking, God, I belong to you. I know the scriptures. I went to seminary. I remained pure until I was married. I was a moral, upright, standing man. God, you owe me. God, you owe me. Sometimes us as religious people, we think we have a right. Okay? The religious person is following the do's and don'ts, following to the letter of the law. Well, that's going, there's no room for grace. And religious people sometimes struggle with God's grace towards others. It's really hard for us to see it at times. 
So not only is he mad, not only is he feeling entitled, but then he gets sad. Jonah's sad. What makes you sad? Is what, make you, is what makes you sad what makes God sad? In other words, do you have God's heart? Jonah wants to what? He wants to die. He wants to die because he has the opposite of God's heart. And so he's dealing with this depression. He's wanting to give up. He becomes suicidal. But what gets in the way? His religiousness, okay? Because he is a God-fearing man, he will not kill himself. So what does he do? God, I'm a God-fearing man. I won't kill myself, so you do it, please. That, it's humorous. That's what he's doing, okay? He's being an idiot is what he's doing. He's like, God, you just, I'm not going to do it, so you do it. It'll be better that way. Jonah had this, and this is what a lot of times us as religious people have. We have great theology with a bad heart. I'd rather have the good heart and okay theology. You with me this morning? If you're with me, say yeah. Okay. We know Jonah's this theological man because what he does is he quotes, and I'm not going to get into it. You can look at it for yourself sometime. He quotes the most quoted scripture in all of the Bible, and it's found in Exodus chapter 34. You know, when he's talking about God being the compassionate God that he is, he's this is found in the story. It's repeated in the Old Testament, verbatim more than any other scripture in all the Old Testament. And so we know he's a biblically learned man. Exodus 34, remember the story. This is when Moses goes up, he spends time with God and he prays. And he's spending alone time with God, and the people rebel. The people end up making golden calves that they worship, these idols. And Moses comes back and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, this is not the God in whom we're to serve. And they learn through this entire experience how compassionate God is and meets them where they need to be met. In other words, the things that happen. But this is quite where Jonah's talking about. He's in this scripture from Exodus 33. Read it if you would like. So God comes in Exodus 34 and Jonah chapter 4 and Jonah chapter 3 and he reveals himself to Israel and to Nineveh as a compassionate fucking God. And so what we're to do is we're to examine our hearts through this, okay? Are you sad about the things God is sad about? Are you mad about the things God is mad about? Jonah, here's the catch. You must, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a you know, I, I'm a Christ follower. I am, okay? Well, if you are, then you know God. Jonah knew God. He just didn't like what God was doing. Can we relate to him? Can we identify with Jonah? I have the, this friend of mine who lives in, up in Princeton, Minnesota, not too far away, and we've talked, and a few times we've talked, and he's a, he's a God-fearing man, he's a Christian, he's a great guy, and I'll just say, man, tell me about your faith walk, and he says, I'm just here to obey Christ, that's his faith walk, and I said, do you enjoy it? He's like, no, but I'm supposed to do it. I think there's a greater depth to our walk with God, where when we can have a relationship with Jesus and enjoy it at the same time, it's both. Well, I just, I have to obey. It's what the letter of the law says. I'm going to be that religious person. Just follow it because I'm supposed to. Well, we still get our ticket to heaven. We, we still said yes to Jesus. But I want to enjoy my yes with Jesus. I don't know about you. I want to enjoy it, okay? And so we got to examine our heart. These first three verses reveal a lot. They reveal three things on top of being entitled, angry, or sad, and wanting to have God's heart. They reveal three other things. The first is this. They reveal racism that's found in Jonah's heart. Do you remember? He thinks his race is dominant, the Israelites, not going to Nineveh. But what happens in racism? Our heart becomes what? It becomes hate. The heart becomes hate. Rather than forgive, you hate. The Assyrians were hated. That's where Nineveh was in the giant country of Assyria. It was huge. 
It was kind of the Egypt of the day. They were hated. They were, they were powerful. And they, they abandoned all morality. Okay, they sought to destroy the Israelites. That's what they did. And then God tells Jonah, go. Learn about that. Second thing is this. What happens is our preferences become our prejudices. In other words, our style. This is how we do it. This is our culture. We, you know, we do life and culture. People should be like me. My culture is right. The way I do it is right. We'll go on a mission trip. That'll mess with that, okay? We really should be like Jesus, period. Okay, when we get to heaven, guess what? It's not just going to be our race or your race. It's not just going to be, you know, the assembly of God denomination. You know, imagine this. You get up to heaven and you got, you're not going to have like the assembly of God corner, the non-denominational corner, the Baptist corner, the Catholic corner, you know, keep going, the Lutheran corner, and there's like 20 different Lutheran corners, right? I mean, like the whole, some of you are from the Lutheran church, you get what I mean. And, and that's not it. What are we? We are all Christ followers. And so we can't, we cannot let our preferences become our prejudices. We are here with Jesus at the center perfectly. Number three is this. If you idolize, you will demonize. Remember we talked about the idols. What becomes our idol, we worship. All right? And so whatever tribe you're a part of, you know, maybe you're like, well, I'm, I'm on the left or I'm on the right. Or maybe you're younger. Maybe you're wiser. Maybe you're a man. Maybe you're a woman. Maybe you're black. Maybe you're white. Maybe you're red. Maybe you're blue. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But we are what we think when we get this in our head, when we idolatize who we are, we think we're the, we're the good people and they're the bad people. And this is where we think, well, we ended up saying... And this is what Jonah was essentially saying. I'm so glad there's heaven for people like me and so glad there's, you know, for people like the Ninevites. That's what's taking place here. And so God wants us to receive his heart. We become what happens is Jonah becomes the religious police. He's just waiting for somebody to screw up. <clears throat> we screw up all the time, don't we? Okay? Jonah's thinking, the Ninevites, man, they're the enemies of God. We might think today, well, man, the we're thinking the same thing. You got to remember these today, the great grandfathers of the Nineveh are the Taliban and Al Qaeda. How many think, well, yeah, I agree with Jonah. That's the enemies of God. I'm sure glad they made hell for those guys. Guess what? I hate to break it to us this morning and crush our, our prejudices, but we are all enemies of God. All of us, every single one of us. Okay. We have all fallen short. All of us. Maybe, th- maybe this hurts you. Maybe you're like, ah, I don't know if I agree with you. But the more religious, the more law-keeping, the more harder we are on ourselves, the harder it can be for us to see God for the gracious one he truly is. He's gracious. We think kind of like Jonah thinks. Well, there's, there's law for them, but grace for me. That was Jonah's view. You know? That was Jonah's view. Here's, here's the Bible and the rules and you know, and sometimes I think we can take the Bible and we take it out of context. We think we become like the Christian police. We can use it to see where people are doing good and where they're doing bad. True or false? Jonah, in verse chapter 1 through 4, true or false? Jonah doesn't look that good. He didn't look that good. He didn't look that good. He ran away from God. Okay? He got depressed here. He wasn't obeying all of this. And so what happens to us is when we sin, we tend to have a lot of empathy for ourselves, but not for others. Jonah has excuses for himself throughout the entire book. Not for the Ninevites at all, okay? It's grace 
for all. If you agree with me, say yeah. It's grace for all. Okay. If you don't agree with me on that, you're wrong. All right, moving on. I'm just speaking the Bible. That's all. All right. Verses four and five. Here we go. But the Lord replied, I love this. Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at, at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and wanted to see what would happen to the city. Okay, l- let me tell you what's happening here, okay? This is, this is so funny. How many of you have ever had, for those of you that are parents, you ever had a kid who threw a temper tantrum? Or maybe I should just ask, how many of you ever had a kid? Same difference, okay? That's what's happening. You ever seen that like, kid at the grocery store? You know, and he just like throws himself on the floor. And, ah! You know, and, and we look at him as, as parents and, and uh, you know, we're thinking as parents, if it's not our kid, we're like, thank you, God, it wasn't mine today. You know, like, that's what we're thinking, really. Come on, you know it's true. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, I'm glad it's them and not me today, <laughs> you know. And, and when it is yours, you're like, I don't know where his parents are. I'm sorry. I've, I haven't seen them. Man, they're, they must be awful. No, so here's what's happening. In Jonah chapter 4, this is what's taking place. Jonah is essentially saying, all right, God, I remember what you said. And you said you were going to destroy these people in how many days? You remember from last week? 40 days. And so they, they repent, and God saves the entire nation, 120,000 people. They give their life to God. They say, we're good. And what Jonah is doing is he's being stubborn, okay, or just a man. And he's saying, all right, let's see it. And so Jonah sets up basically like a little camping chair. And what he does is he looks over and he's away from the city. Because if you remember, the word of God that came to Jonah was that if they didn't repent, God was going to what? He was going to basically destroy them by fire. And so Jonah's sitting back on his little camp chair. He's watching over the hills and he's just waiting. And he's like, I can't wait for the 4th of July to light up. There's 39 more days. You guys didn't really repent. I'm going to judge your heart. I just can't wait. And he just sits back and he builds himself a little shelter. And he's just waiting. And he's just sitting there. And he's waiting. And God shows up. God shows up. And he says, Joni, time out. You got it all wrong. He's waiting for them to get destroyed. This, this is the prophet. Yeah, God, I did what you said. Now please destroy them. You know? And then God, God does something just kind of cruel almost. It's very humorous. Here it is in verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head. Maybe he was bald, we don't know. And to ease his discomfort. Remember, he's in a desert. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Do you see the humor here? Destroy Nineveh! Thanks for the plant. This is, the Bible's funny, okay? If you don't know that the Bible's funny, you're not reading the Bible. It's hilarious. This is so funny. It's so, like, just ironic the way this plan plays out. Verse 7, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. I just love this. You think you're good? Here's the plant. Y'all happy? Bye-bye. <laughs> like, okay, God, you're, you're the Lord. That's, what hap- that's what's happening, okay? He had a plant one day. This worm comes, attacks the plant, and it dies. So he goes through this storm. He gets in the fish. Now he's got a plant. Then there's a worm, and he's sitting here. You know, you probably want to die too. Verse 8, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, again, and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. He's having a little war with God. He's essentially protesting God. You ever had your little war with God? Some of you are having a war with Him today. 
Sometimes we have that war with God, okay? And so you think, well, the story just ends happily ever after, right? Well, let's, let's read the end of the story. And rather than happily ever after, you know what we get? We get a counseling session with God. Here it is, verses 9 through 11. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Remember, the plant's gone now. And he says, it is. <laughs> Just, I love this. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead because of the dumb plant. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend to it, follow here, or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And uh, this is how it ends. And not so many animals. <laughs> are you like, okay, it seems a little weird how it ends right here. All right? What's the real issue that's taking place at the end of, end of this chapter? The real issue is, who's in charge? Who's in charge? lordship with God. Who the boss? Who's the boss? And so what's happening is you have Jesus who's sitting high on his throne and you have Jonah who's sitting in his little Pullman camp chair in the desert, the plant that grows and then dies. And God's saying, who do you think you are? I saved this nation not because of you, but in spite of you. Not about you. I want relationship with and so God says, look what I did. I saved this whole nation. How do we choose Christ even when things don't go our way? How do we do that? Well, let's ask this question. Was Jonah successful? Was he successful? Shout it out. What do you think? Was he successful as an evangelist to Nineveh? Yeah. Greatest evangelism, greatest, one of the greatest evangelists of the world, other than Christ. You, you could write a book. You could write a VeggieTales movie on this. Oh, they did. You could, you could do a lot with this. But he's miserable, isn't he? He wants to die. Why? Because he doesn't have a pure heart. He doesn't have God's heart. That's what's taking place. Some of us think, well, God, if I just get what I want then, God, I'll be happy. Jonah wasn't getting what he wanted. We're all this work in progress. And so God wants to talk to Jonah, but Jonah doesn't want to listen. Can I just be really blunt this morning? God wants to speak to you, probably even at a greater level when we don't want to listen. He always wants to speak. So God starts talking about the stupid plant, okay, to get his attention. And then he kills the plant. Jonah wants this city dead and God counts every person in every city. God counts every, every person in every city in Nineveh and where else? Where else? Right here. Right in St. Francis. Right in now then. He counts every single person. What about the people that disagree? What about the people that, you know, are doing things outside of the Bible? Does he still love them? Yeah, he does. Come on, stay with me. I know the band's getting ready. Stay with me, okay? A couple more minutes, three minutes. Just stay with me. God cares for every person in this city, no matter what their walk is. 
okay? He does. That's what he is here. That's why we're here. We talked about that last week. And so Jonah wants the city dead. God counts every person, says 120,000. He says these people don't even know their right hand from their left hand. In the Hebrew, we don't fully understand what that means. It could mean like they, they weren't that bright. It could mean that, you know, maybe they were blue collar. We don't know. There's a lot of guesses that take place. And then the story ends hilariously. Not only do 120,000 matter, what else matters at the end here? It's thinking animals. You know, it ends talking about the animals. And, and I'm an NIV guy. This is taken out of the NIV. Anyone here reading a different translation this morning? Does yours say something else? Anybody? Okay. If, if, you're, if you're not an NIV person, the Hebrew is actually not animals. It's cows. It's just cows. Okay? The NIV takes some serious liberty here, which I'm not a huge fan of, and they say animals. But it's just cows. You know? And that makes it even more humorous. You know, Jonah, I care about the people, and I also care about their milk supply. This is funny. This is funny. So how many of us freak out over the little things and lose sight of the big things? That's what Jonah did. And so maybe you're going, well, I'm a, I'm a fundamental Christian. I, I want to be a law-abiding citizen. I want to follow the Bible for all it's worth. That's fine. Maybe you are that fundamental, but it's time to put fun back in fundamental. Being a Christian does not have to be a drag. It doesn't have to be boring, okay? We don't have to be weird. Some of you have met weird Christians. Come on. All right? Think about it like this. God blessed this city. This city was, sac- the city was sacrificing kids, and God blessed them. They were living immoral, and God blessed them. Bring it today. If God blessed someone like that, would you feel jealous? Would you feel hatred? Would you feel sad? Or would you have God's heart of compassion and grace? It's a challenge for all of us this morning. Jonah does not yet have God's heart for people. Maybe it's something you struggle with, compassion and forgiveness. And this is what I want to end with here is, is three, three things, real quick. want to imagine, well, first of all this, the whole point of Jonah, all four chapters, are that salvation belong to the Lord. They don't belong to man. It's what God wants, and it's under his lordship. Number two is this. Imagine with me for just a moment that you're a Ninevite. Okay, so Jonah comes to your land, and, and you're a Ninevite. You live in this city, in this community, and, and you guys, we all give our hearts to the Lord. We tell our grandkids about it, and all of our kids, and our families, and everybody gets saved. Everybody comes to know Jesus because of it. And Jonah leaves, and imagine them telling the story to their great-great-grandkids, and they're sitting around a little fire with camp chairs, and they're saying to their kids, they're like, yeah. We had the greatest revival Nineveh has ever seen. This guy named Jonah, he came and saw the whole country give their lives to God. And then he hated us and was waiting for us to all burn and die. That's what's happening here. You know, that's, that's Jonah. That's Jonah. But here's the redeeming part of the entire book. It doesn't necessarily end happily ever after. However, we know that Jonah now, just as a promise we have through Christ, is that we all have eternal life through Jesus. Jonah received that as well. Remember, the Old Testament points to Jesus, the New Testament points at Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, we learn that Jesus is on his throne. Well, Jonah now, just like us, we get to join Jesus someday. And so I have this little word picture of Jonah and Jesus, and they're hanging out now. And I believe Jonah's watching Jesus now, and he's watching him bless people and bless countries and be compassionate and be gracious to those that don't deserve it, which is all of us. 
And I believe Jonah's up there going, now I get it. I, I didn't see it like that. I, now I see it. Now I see it differently. And now he has this eternal perspective. That's my prayer that we could get even today before we are in eternity, that we'd have that eternal perspective. Just bow your heads and pray with me this morning. God, would you give us faith in you? Would you bless, bless our enemies today, Lord? Would you bless them? Would you show them that you are a kind, compassionate, gracious God and allow us to be your hands and feet to walk through that? This morning we say yes to you, Jesus, that you're the one that gives us life and life to the fullest. And so God, have your way in our lives. We thank you so much for his story that we get to learn about from him. Thank you for making it life-giving for us and convicting us and leading us. And thank you for your humor and your word. And and I just pray that we would learn from Jonah's uh, obedience to you, from his disobedience to you, from his relationship with you, and that we'd walk out who we're meant to walk out as, as Christians and as a church. Have your way in this church and within our community today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song together this morning. Would you stand up and join us as we do that? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.